Well, today we have two more examples of God's forgiveness. The last few Sundays have given us several examples of the forgiving and merciful nature of God. Today we see that Nineveh is spared because they repent, and those who work only one hour are paid the same as those who work for a full 12. And the question is, is there any hint of deserving here? Did Nineveh really deserve to be forgiven its destruction just because they put on sackcloth and ashes, just because they repented? You know, outward sign, a gesture here? Was there any real change of heart? We don't know. What about working for one hour? Does that actually deserve the same wage as working for 12? Jonah didn't think that Nineveh needed to be or deserved to be spared, and he says, and this, the text tells us that it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was, he was angry. Likewise, those who bore the heat of the day complain when those who are hired at the last hour are paid the same wages. They grumble, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Jesus told this particular story to his disciples when he's training them. He's training them to go out and speak in his name. And likewise, Jonah has been commissioned to speak in God's name. Earlier this year, we learned about prophets and disciples commissioned to speak in God's name and how they must only speak the words that have been given to them by God. They must not speak their own words. Otherwise, they are false prophets and putting their own words, the words of men, uh, in place of the words of God which is one reason why the, the, the scriptures, the written scriptures are so important because they're a, a record of what God has said. And so anyone who purports, purports to speak to God for God but speaks contrary to what's written here is, is likewise not keeping faith, a false preacher. But today's lesson tells us that those who speak for God should not expect to come first. In fact, the whole purpose of their ministry is to gain an equal share of God's love mercy and forgiveness with all of God's children. So you might think a lesson like this doesn't apply to you because you're not a preacher, you're not one of the disciples, you're not a prophet, and it might even seem like it's a good deal to try to arrange to be hired last at the end of the day, right, so that you can get paid this because you know you're going to get paid the same, which unfortunately I think has let some people think they can simply put off their faith, taking their faith seriously or the practice of their faith seriously until the end of their lives. We often hear about deathbed conversions, right? So I think there's a warning here not to do that, though. The point of the story of Nineveh and the story of those who are hired last is that God has mercy on whomever he chooses without regard for individual merit. So working 12 hours is indeed harder than working for one. And if I were telling you about fair labor practices, I would say that they indeed should be paid more. Those who are working 12 hours should be paid more than those who just work for one hour. But this is not about fair labor practices because we don't actually work for our salvation. We don't work to get ourselves into God's good graces. We don't work to obtain God's mercy. These are, these are gifts that are freely given, which is what these stories are illustrating. So if the gift of faith is given to you at any point in your life, but let's say if it's given to you earlier in your life, if you put off opening the present, if you put off opening that gift until the end of your life, I wouldn't expect it to still be what it, to be what it might have been. It might have expired. It might have rottened, rotted out. It might have uh, disintegrated. It might not be there at all. The point of these stories is that what we do with the gifts God 
is, is, the point of these stories is, is what we do with the gifts that God has given us, not who deserves to get what. So in this way, your gift is just like mine, something neither of us deserved, and yet we receive it anyway. Because you're not a preacher doesn't mean that you are missing something that I have, neither does it mean that I am more deserving than you. People make one of two mistakes, or I should say they often make one of two mistakes when it comes to God's gifts. They either think God owes them something more, or they hold what God has given them in contempt. So that's really what these two stories are illustrating. When Jesus tells his disciples that the first will be last and the last will be first, he's warning them against seeking to profit in this life by their association with him. Although he does talk about a great reward for them in the in the kingdom of God. He is telling them that they will not always anticipate, let alone understand the effect of their ministries. And this becomes clear later on to Peter, especially when he learns that the church must make accommodation for its non-Jewish members. The Gentiles are becoming Christian and the church needs to accommodate them. It's an example of the last becoming first and the first becoming last because Israel was called first by God and it has borne the yoke of the law and the punishment of its own national unfaithfulness. And now this group of people is being asked to stand aside as a heretofore unworthy, unclean people are welcomed into God's family. And these later, latter-day saints, not Mormons, but these latter-day members of the church are made worthy because God chooses to make them worthy, even as he chose Abraham centuries before. Because as God says, can I not do with my own what I choose? But Christ asks nothing of Peter, the disciples, and the early Jewish church that he didn't undertake himself, that is, to let the last go first. Jesus, as the last Adam, changes place, places with the first Adam and takes the first Adam's place on the cross. And here, Adam means our sinful human nature. This makes Jesus the first and only perfect sacrifice. And he is also the last sacrifice that will ever be necessary. So he's the first perfect sacrifice and the last sacrifice that will ever be necessary. Jesus, having made, voluntarily made himself last, God then raises his son on the third day. And Jesus, again, trades places. He becomes the first to know the power of the resurrection as Paul puts it, the firstborn of all creation. And the Bible is full of such stories of reversals, of sinners becoming saints, and of those like Jonah, saints by birth, but who lose their standing, at least for a while, because they cannot comprehend why cities like Nineveh or men who only work for an hour should gain the love of God. Jesus tells us many stories that, in, that reinforce the hard truth of these reversals of fortune. Many, many people will go to their graves with a fool's confidence in a benign afterlife or even no afterlife at all, and yet utter, utterly ignorant of their sins. And these people, unfortunately, will, will face another final reversal at the end of days on, on the last day when they hear Christ speak dreadful words, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Who wants to hear that? No one. But in order to keep us from self-justifying pride, we need to take those words to heart because if we put our stock in our own good works, the Bible reminds us in today's lesson that some of us, some of us who may appear to be the very worst members of the church will make it to heaven first. Well, 
those of us who might seem to be the very best run the risk of being cast out entirely. So how are we to be sure that we have God's forgiveness and friendship? And here's how I answer that question. And here's where I find comfort. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. And I, what this means is that if God has called anyone, he has certainly called his son Jesus Christ first. If the father has chosen anyone like you or me, it is because he chose his son, his son first. If the first Adam failed, then the last Adam will succeed. The promise of the first and the promise of the last are both yes in Jesus Christ. And so when you and I, who are among the last, say yes to Christ, we find that we stand with him who is first and who has already said yes to us. Amen.